Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hour number two of your Ben Jarofsky show for Thursday, December 26th is just moments away. But before we get into that, we need to thank the following unions for sponsoring this program. First up, it's the International Association of Machinists and Aerospace Workers, Local 126 and District 8, the International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local 9, and the International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 150. A giant thank you to those unions for sponsoring this program. And, of course, today's Ben Jarofsky show is brought to you by our dear friends. Dear friends, I say, at the Chicago Federation of Labor, hour number two. Let's go. It is Thursday, December 26th. And live from the Chicago Sun-Times Chicago Reader Studio on Racine Avenue, this is the Ben Jarofsky Show. In this hour of the program, it is the oh-so-long-awaited return of director of the Black Harvest Film Festival, the one, the only, Sergio Mims. Now your host, the oh-so-long-awaited return, Chicago Reader columnist Ben Jarofsky. Sergio Mims in the studio is going to tell us about, uh, we've been talking about civil liberties uh, with uh, Leonard Goodman. What about Sergio Mims' civil liberties? Yeah, what about they kicked, mine? They kicked him off Twitter because he dared to criticize Clint Eastwood. How, how about well, that? Okay. Well, we'll get into this. Okay. You got an update for me, young man? Uh, actually, yes, we do have an update here. Uh, just... Hang tight with me one second. We're going to be, uh, before we get out of here, we're going to find out two more new laws happening in the year 2020. It's our 20 new laws of 2020 special. Uh, but before we do that, our dear friend on the YouTube live stream chat, Brianna, weighed in and asked us a great question. Brianna asks, hey, Dennis, when, what is the show schedule for next week? Although I will be um, somewhat distracted on January 1st. Then she put a bunch of smoke and tree emojis <laughs> yeah. applying. She's going to be smoking that legal marijuana. Yeah. So uh, great question, Brianna. And here's the answer. Tuesday, December 31st, we will have a live new Ben Jarofsky show. Wednesday, January 1st. No live new Ben Jarofsky show. Thursday, January 2nd, a live new Ben Jarofsky show. Friday, January 3rd, you guessed it, a live new Ben Jarofsky show. So New Year's Day is when we're taking the day off. We're taking the day off. We're the hardest working podcasters in the business. We took Christmas Day off. We worked the rest of this week. And uh, on the day before uh, New Year's, I got uh, Milo Samarja. I urge everyone, you're going to love Milo, an old friend of mine. He's uh, Since it's the day before Sergio uh, Marijuana Becomes Legal, I thought I'd get an old friend who's been spoken marijuana since the 60s to come on and talk about <laughs> he knows more about marijuana just the guy knows so much about marijuana uh like for instance for 10 trivia points who is louis armstrong's dealer did you know do you know the answer i knew that? louis armstrong smoked but i didn't know who was his dealer who was his dealer i forget the guy's name see i don't uh, it was a jewish guy 
who was a real character, wrote a book. I kept blanking on his name. Oh, boy, Benjamin's uh, the only guy that asked trivia questions. He doesn't, doesn't know the answer, answer himself. But he wrote a book. He was a hipster, uh, and he got arrested. He got busted for smoking reefer. And back in those days, the jails of New York were de- racially divided. He asked to be mm-hmm. put into the cells with the black people, Negroes, as they were called back in those days, Sergio. Colored folk? Colored folk. Yeah, with the colored folk. Mm-hmm. He asked to be put in. You know who else Misro. Was? I think his name is Misro. You know who else was a... Uh, um, big marijuana smoker? Who? James Gardner. James Gardner? Yeah. From The Great Escape, James Gardner? Yeah. Matter of fact, it's a strain of marijuana named after him called the Bomb Gardner. I which did is not his know original that. name. Yeah. Yeah. His, I now, did not know I got to say that. I don't do it. I'm a clean liver. I don't. But I, by the way, pick up the new issue of The Reader. It's High Times. I mean, basically, it's, it's basically, all marijuana. Yeah, it's all marijuana all the time. And uh, it, oh, I didn't talk about this with Leonard Goodman, but uh, uh, there was a proposal, my article in The Reader. I, I talked about this last week. Uh, Mayor Lori Lightfoot, at one point when she was trying to stave off the reefer revolt, black aldermen uh, revolting against mm-hmm. the fact that yeah. somehow or other they, they're doling out. Out these licenses to sell reefer, they couldn't find any black people to get a license. Uh, so they were going to delay implementation of the law for six months to, to stave that off. She tried out the proposal that we use TIF funds to set up cultivation centers in black neighborhoods that would be uh, run by black people that the idea being that let them get into the business mm-hmm. this way. And I said, well, that's the first appropriate use of TIF funds I've seen from the city yeah, in a long, man. long time. By the way, I don't disagree with what those aldermen did. Yeah. But I think they were late. I think they should have been on top of it beforehand. Yeah. They should have realized what was going on. Well, I got to tell you this. We had a lot of, we're on a tangent within a tangent. We want to get back to yeah. uh, your, your, your war with Twitter. But it's interesting how Chicago politics works. And I'm not going to name names because a lot of these are off the record conversations that happen on the show after the mics are turned off. But a lot of my guests are ripping, ripping the black aldermen. And uh, there's this strain in Chicago politics that if somebody takes a step out of the box and makes another politician look bad by taking mm-hmm. a bold stand, the, the impulse is to criticize the alderman who's taking the strong stand, undercut the credibility of what they're saying. Do you follow what I'm Do you see what yeah, I'm getting at? I'm surprised because they were, their argument is right. Their argument is right. I just felt they should have been ahead of, they should have done it earlier instead of when it comes to them and then, hey, wait a minute, we didn't know this. You should have known this before. Yeah. Come on, you're a Chicago politician. You know the game is rigged. So you should have been on top of that before you find out at the vote. That's why I criticize them, not for their protests. I absolutely agree with them, 100%. It was too late in coming, you're saying. Right. Uh, D, you got an update? You, you, what, did I cut you off for your update? I just want to let uh, our good friend uh, on the live stream chat, Doogie. It's his birthday today. Happy birthday, Doogie. Thanks for uh, following us. Uh, and uh, he used to listen to us, uh, you know, back on the old show. So, Doogie, thank you so much for finding us. W, after... w uh, here's your hat with your hurry. Right. Yeah. W, you are fired. Yeah, thanks for finding us after you know who was fired. And thanks for listening along. You're awesome. So, uh, shout out to uh, Doogie. And coming up, before we get out of here, we will do two uh, new laws coming to twenty. We'll take a break right before the hour. And so and once again to recap, uh we'll have live shows Tuesday, December thirty first, Thursday, January second, Friday, January third, all live new Ben Jarofsky shows. Wednesday, no new show.
And tomorrow we'll have a show. Stacey Davis Gates will be here. We'll be taking the deep dive on all the political issues today. His brother has become a star. Yes. I just saw another interview with him a few weeks ago. Henry Davis, the councilman from South Bend, Indiana. Boy, he's running it. <laughs> he's running Pete, you should have called Henry Davis. I try to tell you that. He started it. I started it, yeah. If it wasn't for you, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all of this wouldn't happen. Well, now he's a media star. Yeah, no, Henry Davis, uh, big time. He was on, uh, I think he was on Fox TV. He of course, is Stacey Davis Gates' uh, brother. He's a councilman in South Bend. He ran against Mayor Pete back in 2015 for mayor. Uh, and he points out, I makes a very convincing argument, uh, Sergio, that Mayor Pete uh, is a big phony when it comes to racial issues. Well, and, yeah. And dealing with Gee, he didn't know there was segregation <laughs> in South Bend. Yeah. Gee, who'd have thunk it? Yeah. Um, so let's get to my problem. All right, before we do that, stop the presses. Frank has weighed in. What's going on, Frank? Frank is letting us know. Louis Armstrong, his weed dealer's name was Mez Mesro. Yes, <laughs> Mez Mesro. I told you. What. Frank, God bless you. Mez Mesro. This dude wrote a book. And uh, what a character he was. They should make a movie about Mez Mesro. What a character he was. All right. Let's talk about what happened to you okay. with Twitter. All right. Okay. Let me preface to say I've only been on Twitter for a year. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm still on Facebook and on Instagram, but um, Twitter for only a year. Okay, (laughs) (laughs) and a couple months ago, I tweeted a comment about Candace Owen. You know Candace Owen. Yes. Okay. Tell our listeners who Candace Owen is this fraud who the ultra right loves. She's the black woman who says all the things they love to say that black people are worthless and you. You know, well, we can get a black person to say it, so it's not that bad. But she's a fraud. If you know her background, she's as phony as a $3 bill. All right. And I I tweeted to somebody that she was, how do I call it? She was uh, a, a bootlicking lawn jockey. That's what I said. Mm. Twitter says, we're going to suspend you for six days because you can't say that's right. I said, that's what she is. Wait, time out. So how did... I think we talked about this in the year, but I can't remember. How did Twitter find out that you wrote that? I mean, there's millions and millions of people writing all millions and millions of things on Twitter. How did they find um, that out? From what I understand now, one person has Ah, to say something and report it. I see. All right. So it was a snitch. It was a snitch. <laughs> okay. So, so what happens? The the, the Richard Jewell movie comes out. Wait, time out. So you were kicked off for six days. Six days for for writing that about Candace Owens. Right. But then after six days, they let you back on. Yeah. Right. And is there an appeal process? Can you appeal the decision, or that's it? No. You're, okay. Go ahead. If that's how they it works. well, let me tell you what happened. All right. Okay. So go ahead. So uh, I. A friend of mine, film critic friend of mine, we're all film critics, we all belong to the same organization, um, he posted a uh, a tweet about the Richard Jewell film, which I really did not like. Mm-hmm. And um, he was more or less trying to give it the benefit of a doubt. And and if you see the movie... I've not seen the movie. Okay. It's Clint Eastwood's latest movie. I've not okay. seen it. Okay. Uh, uh, Olivia Wilde mm-hmm. plays a real character by the name of Scruggs. Mm-hmm. She was the reporter at the Lanston Constitution Journal mm-hmm. who first broke the story that the FBI had him under suspicion. I had Richard Jewell under suspicion. And Jewell under suspicion. What did I say? Sorry. No, no, you had it right. Okay. I was just saying who the he right. was. Go ahead. He had Richard Jewell under suspicion. Mm-hmm. In the film, in the movie, she's betrayed as this wanton slut who will sleep with anybody or will suggest you sleep with anybody to get information. Mm -hmm. That is an old sexist trope that you have seen in movies 
for 50 years, longer than that. The female reporter, male reporters in movies are always hardworking people. Female reporters always have to sleep around. Uh, absence of malice. Sally Field. Sally Field. A lot of movies where the reporter sleeps around to get information. Mm-hmm. As a matter of fact, um, Romana yeah, Hussein was brought talking that about up. this. Yes, she was. Okay. Mm-hmm. And in the movie, it is, it's, it's clear that she is sleeping with this FBI agent. To, she got the info that they were looking at Richard Jewell. In Jewell's. the Richard Jewell movie. Okay. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. So my comment to my friend was, no, the message of this film is pity all the, four, the poor, obese, redneck white guy who is the victim of government overreach and the fake media personified by... A female whore reporter. You. This is what you wrote. That's what I wrote. Okay. Because that's what she is in the picture. Yeah. Did you put it in quotes? Did you put no? Someone whore? told me that later. Okay. I, I did not. All right. Go okay. ahead. <laughs> but it's clear I'm talking about how the characters are represented in the film and what Clint Eastwood's message is. Okay. Two days later, you're permanently banned on on, on get, Facebook. Where, how, on do they, how do they? How do they? Yeah. You get a notification. You get, you get a notification saying you're banned. I see. Okay. Uh, now you can appeal. You and can I did. Appeal. Okay. I did, and they rejected it. Wait, time out. So, uh, what what was the basis of your appeal? What did you stipulate in your? I appeal? said that I was referring to a character in a movie, a fictionalized character in a movie, not the real person, not the actress. I'm referring to the message behind the movie mm-hmm. as a critical analysis. That's why they said what I wrote to them. Still no good for them. They banned me for life. Now, I can still go on Twitter and read. People can't tweet to me anymore. I can't tweet out. I can still go on Twitter and read other people's tweets. Uh, but I can't do that anymore. Now, see, people say you can change your name. I mean, change your handle and all that stuff. I don't want to go through with that. Because if I keep have to constantly think about what am I saying, it's going to get me in trouble. It's not worth it anymore mm-hmm. to me. right? I want to be able to say, if, if I say a fictionalized character is a whore in a film, yeah. Let me, I should have the right to say that. I am not attacking a person, a real person. I am attacking a fictionalized character in a movie, right? Or if I say somebody is a boot-licking lawn jockey, that's my opinion (laughs) of her. I'm not threatening her. That's what she is. And by the way, there are racists and Nazis and Donald Trump who can say anything they want to on Twitter. By the way, I would still be going on Twitter. You'd be amazed at what people are saying Mm -hmm. about anybody, about women, about black people, about anything. They have no problem. Well, what do you think tripped? the wire with you once again somebody must have reported me somebody said oh and freaked out <laughs> how do you spell that i don't know you figure it out <laughs> um so when when they turned down your appeal yeah all right so this is all i'm just curious the process are you sending emails to some twitter account yeah yeah you, you don't you, have you, a name yeah, of anybody on twitter you can go on a link and you can write this is what okay blah, so blah, this blah, is blah, my blah. defense this is my and, defense right and, and there's and then he sent me an email back about a week and a half later telling me sorry no you're still gonna be banned so do they uh make any attempt to counter the argument you made or no. do they just say sorry you're banned yeah so it. it's it's not in any way like a legitimate uh, or a hearing where there's a hearing officer who renders an opinion it's they banned you you appealed yeah uh and they said sorry you're still banned yeah that's it all right uh so what do you when you look back on this 
Uh, do you think there's a double standard that uh, people uh, with your point of view? Are yeah, well, I'll tell you what the double standard is. The Go. double standard is particularly black Twitter, black people, because I know other I, I, for example, I have a friend of mine who does a history website, a black history website, and also current events, right? Mm -hmm. She practically has been almost been banned off of Facebook. And she says, I'm just posting facts about black history, but they deem it's threatening. So um, she doesn't really do much anymore because, and I said, well, what did you do? She said, I didn't do anything. I just posted about what fact happened in black history at this time in this day. Mm -hmm. He said, it's threatening. I've heard of other um, black people who have been banned from Twitter or from Facebook. Some of them have been um managed to get back on, you know? And I go, well, what is this? Well, you can see my face. I had my face, you know, on Twitter. You know, I had a so Twitter So they picture. know you're black. Yeah, yeah. That's the only thing I can think of, mm -hmm. because I, some of the things you, some of the things I still have read since I've been banned on Twitter are pretty amazing. Mm -hmm. And once again, if I keep, now look, if you're threatening somebody, that's understandable. If you're saying anything that is um, racially, you know, derogative towards somebody, of course, right? Mm -hmm. But if you're stating an opinion or something, you know, and somebody somewhere, you don't know who, is, I bet it was some millennial. <laughs> Play with the millennials. <laughs> I bet it was. By the way, on a tangent with a tangent, you see the article in the Tribune that millennials are the worst tippers? I meant to give you a hard time about that, D. They don't have any money. I, <laughs> broke, broke ass millennials. And by the way, yeah. let me tell you something about millennials. Stop crying about you had lousy jobs when you graduated from college. You remember all the lousy jobs I had when I graduated from college? Uh, it's not a new thing. Yeah, no, it's definitely You not know, a new once thing. I sold aluminum siding. No, I did not know that. After I graduated from college, what you do job. lousy jobs. Yeah, yeah, no, it's a tough racket. Anyway, let's go back. So, in uh, in retrospect, had you put the quotes around the word? Uh, what, yeah, because I talked to my friends, and he said you should have done that, but I didn't. You know, first of all, I don't know, like, because I've only been in it for a year. Mm -hmm. Right. If there are particular rules, I still don't yeah. know about them. Okay? Well, at the point is, what was the what, what was the phrase you said? Uh, so what was the word in front of uh, the adjective in front of whore that you used? Female whore. Female reporter. whore. Okay. Right. Had you put the quotes around female whore reporter, you would have sending you would have been sending a message that this is not your uh, point of view uh -huh. that you're merely summarizing the uh, sort of the 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 point of view that Clint Eastwood was uh, emitting when he made his movie. Right. Okay, so you're saying... And also, uh, don't forget, with Twitter, you, Twitter, you only have so, many, amount, so, yeah. many, so much space, right? And I hate to do multiple tweets. Yeah. I didn't like to do that. So I try to make as compact as I can, mm -hmm. right? But I thought it was pretty obvious because my friend responded to my tweet, mm -hmm. and I responded back to him, and then he responded back. Yeah. So um, he understood... I assume other people understood what I was getting at mm -hmm. about this movie. All right. Now, uh, having said all that, by the way, I just don't think you're meant for Twitter. So it's probably probably being, not. Uh, but but it is very inconsistent, inconsistent. And I'm not quite certain if by the rules of the game, why they allow Donald Trump to put the stuff he puts out there. Uh, you know, and like but, I said, I've only been in know. it for a year. I didn't even bother with it. Yeah. And then maybe a year, literally a year ago. I said, well, let me try this Twitter thing. Yeah. What is that? And I've only been on Instagram even less than that. Yeah. Before it was just Facebook. Facebook is fine. 
But you know my rule. Uh, if What was my age limit? If you're above the age of 50, you should be not allowed to go on Twitter. Maybe that's a point. Uh, I think just Twitter is for um, teenagers. All right. Uh, anyway, having said all that, mm-hmm. uh, your thoughts on Richard Jewell. This, of course, this movie has some cultural significance, as I was saying uh, to Leonard when we were having the conversation with Leonard Goodman, uh, is that th- there's been an evolution of attitude on the part of the right. I appreciate I appreciate any defenders of civil liberties, but uh, where were you when we needed you when the FBI came in and killed Fred Hampton well, when he was sleeping? Let me tell you how heavy-handed this movie is. All right. Um, Sam Rockwell plays the lawyer, the real-life lawyer who defended Jewel. I see. And there are several scenes where he's in his office and he has this poster behind him. And in the corner of the poster, you see, I fear terrorists more than I fear the government. Okay? Mm-hmm. And that you see that at least four times in the movie where he's sitting at his desk and you see that. You can't miss it, right? Mm-hmm. And I said, gee... That's a bit heavy-handed. <laughs> I guess I know what Clint Eastwood is trying to tell us. So this is the lawyer for Richard Jewell. Right. I fear... T- well, when you, that message, I fear terrorists more than I feel like... Uh, no, 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 no. I, no, I'm sorry. I got it wrong. Yeah, I was going to say... I got it wrong. I'm sorry. Wrong. I'm so sorry. I... F- I fear the government more than I fear terrorists. I'm sorry. Yeah, say Robert That's yeah. the quote. No, that... That's the quote. Okay. And that is a complete... 180 from where Clint Eastwood was in the 1970s, mm-hmm. where he made fun of civil libertarians. He mocked them, and he said civil libertarians are the people who worry about the the rights of murderers and rapists, that thus la- leaving them free to go back and murder and rape. Okay, and um, so if you flip the switch. 40 years later, essentially, Clint Eastwood is saying that I, the civil liberties matter more to me than murder and rapists yeah. and people who blow up planes, et cetera, and so forth. Yeah. It's a, a very profound uh, reversal, put it that way, of, of attitudes in this The right country. will change any way they'll go just to yeah. get their way. Yeah. Right. Well, there's a fight going on. There's a political battle. Mm-hmm. And uh, yes, so t- they have to be civil libertarians now. Right. If Donald Trump is ousted uh, in the next election, I don't believe he'll be impeached in a million years, but if he's ousted in the next next election and a Democrat is, I don't care who the Democrat is, the right will drop its support for civil liberties. So of course they You're looking for support from the right on civil liberties. You're not going to get it uh, unless it's a person of the right being persecuted. Of course they will. All right. That's, uh, so it's, the movie's not worth watching. I didn't like it. Okay. But is it worth watching from a historical perspective or anything? Well. By the way, do they mention who actually did the bombing? No. They don't even do it at the end? With no, the no, little... no, no. The only thing they say at the end is when Richard Jewell died because he died about 10 years ago. Yeah. They don't even mention that the reporter died before him. She died just five years later. Yeah. Scruggs, in real, she died 2001, 2002. Of um, she suffered from mental health issues, um, but she, but that's not mentioned. It's just Richard Jewell died of, you know, heart attack in 2008. Yeah. That's it. 
All right, I, I, I think I managed to uh, avoid watching Oh, and then his lawyer got married, and now they have kids. Okay, so I, I'll probably watch it uh, when it's at the Red Box. All right, uh, moving from uh, the unjust banning of Sergio from Twitter, although I think they did you a favor. Now you have more time to do other it's things. Fine. I really do. Uh, like get movies for uh, uh, the Black Harvest Fe- F- Film Festival. By the way, do you have I'm, any- working, I'm working on stuff right now as we speak. All right, so you're I'm not allowed to I'm working on stuff as we speak. Okay. Right. Uh, and uh, it was funny because I was just talking about Crooklyn. I was talking about Crooklyn on this very show with a couple of millennials a couple days ago mm-hmm. and i was explaining the significance of of crooklyn because the one of the millennials is a black millennial and he was saying, this is a tangent within a tangent, but you'll get a kick out of it. He was saying that when he was growing up, his parents would not allow him to watch a TV show unless there was at least one black character on it. Okay? Well, why don't you tell him when I was growing up, when you saw a black person on a TV show, Mom! Dad! <laughs> quick! Yeah. Quick! He went, oh, man, you're too late. He was right there! <laughs> Was he little, was right there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so that may be why in Crooklyn there's that great scene where all the kids are sitting around the TV watching the Partridge Family, and I was trying to tell them, "Well, you missed the, if 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 the family in Crooklyn, the parents in Crooklyn had the same attitude, you would that great scene where they're watching the Partridge." Um, yeah, one of my favorite scenes in Crooklyn. So now we got to talk about since no, I've been no, the subject have, yes. of discussion. All right, we he was uh, Sergio was maligned by a certain Monroe Anderson. Okay, now you know I talked to him yesterday. I didn't bring it up. All right, all right. So here, you want to do the introduction, or should I do the introduction? Remind people what it was. The Sergio Mims theory. Okay. All right. No, oh. you bring it up. Right. You, you, you started up, and then I'll, yeah. I'll yeah. And this okay. is Sergio Mims theory. This is not the Ben Jarofsky theory. This is Sergio Mims theory, mm-hmm. and it emanated. Sergio World. Yeah, Sergio World. Um, we were talking about Kamala Harris. Mm-hmm. And why her campaign uh, fell apart, uh, and we were talking about uh, Cory Booker, and why Joe Biden is getting more black support than mm-hmm. Cory Booker. Right. And the Sergio Mims theory is that black voters have made a very quote unquote pragmatic decision. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have come to the conclusion that Barack Obama was largely a disappointment in terms of delivering on the goods. Symbolically, it was important. Uh, black voters love Barack and mm-hmm. Michelle. And they still do. They still, they love, they're going to buy Michelle's book, right? They brought the hell out of it. They bought the hell out of it. They filled the United Center when she came to the United you Center. believe it. And for those prices? For those prices. Wow. Uh, and uh, But they've made a very pragmatic, practical decision when it comes to uh, elections that a black president will only go so far at delivering the goods that they'll pull back. Is that the well, Sergio theory? Or is it there more, a little more? A little bit more, oh, go right? Ahead. Maybe the right black candidate is not one now, right? Okay. Turns to Cory Booker, we can swear in the show, right? Yes, okay. you can swear. Everybody does. Okay. Problem with Cory Booker yeah. is that he's corny as fuck. Yeah. Right? That's yeah. the only way I can do it. I mean, this is a guy who at, on a debate said Dag Nabbit. Yes, he did. What, what is he, Walter Brennan? Yeah. Okay. Forget him. Mm-hmm. Okay. And don't forget, Duval Patrick is still running. Yes. The guy who twice already had to cancel speeches because no one showed up. Yeah. Twice already. Okay. Now, Kamala Harris. Look, don't we start with Kamala Harris already? Wait, hold okay. on. Let me have some of that Kamala. Yeah, come, oh, yes. Mm. Mm, delicious. <laughs> oh, boy. Delicious. So, okay. F- first of all, 
they tried to present her as Obama 2.0, yeah. which she never was in the first place. Uh, when she was attorney general of California and a district attorney, mm-hmm. she had no relationship with the black community. This is a this is a this is a person who, at the beginning of her campaign, gave an interview at TV One. You can find it anywhere, mm-hmm. uh, in which she was asked, "What's your agenda for African Americans?" And she looked at the reporter with this incredulous look on her face, and she and she said, "I'm not going to do anything that's only going to benefit black people. No." Oh, really? <laughs> hey, Donald Trump has no problem doing things to only benefit white guys. Yeah. Right? Oh, but she's got a problem. Then, when that, evidently her handers told her, boy, that was bad. Okay? Then she did, well, let me try to appeal to black voters in the worst way, clumsiest way possible, because she has no relationship with, with, with us. So what she did, first she's dancing to Cardi B, Right? You know, the video where she's dancing, please, you're not listening to Cardi B. Yeah. She's talking about, oh, she only wears Converse. Converse, what, you're 1986? <laughs> okay. Then, yeah. then she, uh, oh, th- then the killer, when she goes on that radio show, The, Bre- the Breakfast Club, mm-hmm. or The Breakfast Schlubs, yeah. as, they, as I call them, and you're talking about how, tee hee hee, I smoke reefer when I was in college, tee hee hee, and I inhale, tee hee. Oh, the same stuff that you put in over 1,500 black people in prison for, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. That same stuff? Same person who claimed, when I was in college, I listened to Tupac about a decade before he arrived on the scene. Or And then the latest thing, latest thing she would do is the marching bands. She would have these Marching bands from historic HBCUs, uh-huh. and she's dancing with them. Black people, you, you're not fooling us. You know, you know, all politicians pander to black voters. White, black, Republicans, they do it really badly. Um, <laughs> conser- uh, the Democrats, you know. Uh, well, Donald Trump doesn't really pander, does he? Well, in his own way, when he brings Kanye, I suppose. That's, yeah, that's that's really way. Yeah, he doesn't know him from a hole in the wall. Do you remember that scene? I know I'm cutting you off, but that scene where remember that one? It was unbelievable. Kanye was in the White House. I know with Trump. doing his coon show act. Now, if I said that on Twitter, they would ban. Oh my god! But what we say the Ben Jarofsky show is the, the views and opinions of Sergio right. Mims are only. You know, and anyway. Jim Brown was in the room. Yeah, Jim Brown was. Uh, that was sad. What the hell happened to him? Well, he's. You know, okay, so anyway, Jim Brown. Um, Don't say anything bad about Jim Brown. I still can't, you know. I just but, but, love Jim Brown. You know, it's like what's that, Stacy Dash? Uh, yeah, Stacy Dash. Okay. Yeah. No when, matter. First, first I was like, St- you mean Stacy Davis Gates? But no, you're no, talking no, about yeah, Dash, yeah, yeah, yeah. You mm-hmm. know the one who went, you know, the so-called D-list actress and went. Yeah. No matter what she does, I still remember her layout in Playboy. I can never really okay, get that off your mind. I All can't, right. Okay, but here's the so thing. So going back the, okay, to your theory. But here's the thing. Okay, so she <laughs> never had any black support in in the first place. Yeah, Kamala. She never had it, right? And. You know, she had support from the Black Congressional Caucus, or raucous, as I like to call it. (laughs) Um, But she never had any support from black people. And she was nothing. And look what happened. She dropped out. And when she dropped out, she told the truth. The truth was that she couldn't raise money anymore Mm -hmm. because she was getting a lot of money from Silicon Valley and a lot of money from Hollywood. And they basically came to her and said, we thought you were the one back almost a year ago, and now we realize you're not the Mm -hmm. one, you know? And black voters are like any other voters. 
we, we got to go with the winner. All right. right? So uh, if you're saying of uh, the right, quote unquote, uh, black candidate would have gotten significant black support. Who can you think of that? Okay, I'm going to tell you. Go. Okay. They did a poll mm-hmm. of, of New Hampshire Democratic voters. Yeah. And he said, who's your number one choice for uh, president, you know, mm-hmm. pres- Democratic candidate? Who was the number one? Can you take a guess? Who was the number one choice? In New Hampshire? Yeah, these were New Hampshire voters. Just now. Yeah, this was about two months ago. Oh, about two months ago, I would say yeah. it was either Elizabeth Warren or uh, a Bernie or Pete Buttigieg, one of those three. No. Ooh. Their number one choice was Michelle Obama. For real? For real. She was their number one choice. This was a poll. Uh, if I can find it, I'll send it to you. I'll send it to you. But I, I came across it about two months ago. She was their number one choice. And I'm telling you something, you may laugh at me. If she ran against Trump, she would kill him. She would, it would be a blowout. So that directly contradicts the uh, argument, the, the central thesis, the central tenet of mm-hmm. the Sergio Mims theory. Well, the, yes and no. So what, okay. Because, mm-hmm. because she has always been seen as being more authentic than he was. Uh, than Barack Obama. Right. She's a Southsider. Raised and grew up on the South Side. Don't forget, hey, don't forget, when Barack Obama, when he ran against Bobby Rush, mm-hmm. his first yes. campaign, yeah. how did Bobby, Bobby Rush beat him? How yes. did Bobby Rush do it? Uh, with the black vote. No, no, no. But how, what did Bobby Rush say? What did he do? Well, I don't know. What did he, what did he... he said, this guy's not black. Oh, afraid. yeah, yeah. What's this guy from? Yeah. He's not from Chicago. Of his name. He's got a funny name, and yeah. I don't know where this guy's yeah. from, and he's not one of us. Yeah. Now, you can say that's out the ball. Well, that's what I was talking about uh, in the previous segment. Leonard, Barack Obama, I didn't finish the thought, won in Iowa because uh, it was a largely white voting block in Iowa. Most people in Iowa are white that vote in the Democratic Mm -hmm. caucus. And uh, it was the lefties in Iowa, the the peaceniks in Iowa went with a Barack because they thought of him as the anti-war candidate. Once he won Iowa... Black voters in America, what? Whoa! White people in Iowa voted for this now, guy. Now, I will tell you, when Barack Obama f- announced he was running, I was with him. You know, and a large part of that was for, I, I knew who he was, and also because of like a family thing. My father was a friend of his. Okay, so I was for Barack, and I remember so many of my friends were for Clinton. Yeah, you were for Clinton because mm-hmm. he said he's not going to make it. He's not going to make it until he won Iowa. Then we won Iowa, then everybody changed. That's what right? I'm saying. He right. won Iowa. But 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 <laughs> I was with him from the from the beginning. Okay. Now I can make the argument that now, like a previous guest, okay, I'm disillusioned. You know, maybe I brought the cool. You know, they drank the Kool Aid. You really drank. We all drank the Kool Aid. Still, you know, there's a, there's a lot of. <laughs> On Facebook, there's a lot of Obama nostalgia. Oh, where, where is he? We could be him again. Look, he's living his life. He just brought a $12 million house in Martha's Vineyard. Yeah. You know, he's got another home in California. Yeah. He's got this other home in Washington, D.C. He still owns the home near me over in, you know, I Park. You yeah, know, on, Kenwood. On, on, on Greenwood. Mm-hmm. Okay, so... Um, uh, so you think Michelle Obama, oh, if yeah. she were in the race, oh, yeah. would be uh, defeating? Well, Biden wouldn't even be in the race if she were in the race. No, he wouldn't. No. So she would be getting the black vote in South Carolina. Oh, you better believe yeah. it. You better believe it. As for Pete Buttigieg, um, 
as I think it was, it was a Letitia or Samina. Samina. Um, somebody said the problem with him, of course, is that when they see him, when black voters see him, these when they see Alfred E. Newman, <laughs> they see yeah. white privilege. Yeah. Here's this kid. Yeah. I would call him a kid, right? And, and by the way. There is a book I heard about that I really got to read. It's called The Best Little Boy in the World, which I ha- it came out about 10 years ago. And it, the guy who wrote this book is talking about this whole generation of white gay men who grew up in the 80s and 90s, who were all closeted when they were growing up. Mm-hmm. And so they had all this eternal angst in them and turmoil and frustration so they had to let it out in some way so they became super achievers and there's a whole generation of them you know tim cook of apple Mm -hmm. it's a perfect example right pete Buttigieg, perfect example he could speak seven languages he went to uh, notre dame he fought in afghanistan he's a concert pianist and only till later as they do all these things they finally they have to convince him to come out of the closet right Right. and there's a whole generation of them and it's it's called the best little boy in the whole wide world and he's very much of that generation by the way i just want to say this as as knowledgeable as pete Buttigieg is he just didn't he didn't learn about segregation until he started running for president is that interesting well no he didn't learn about it till oh maybe he was giving gave that speech last summer over washington (laughs) all right we're going to take a a brief break and then we'll come back and we'll close down with a couple of more of the news stories that we're going to close down and uh after our show uh, sergio sergio is going to stick around we're going to do a bonus on the best movies of the year Mm -hmm. uh the best movies of the decade that's right so a lot of movie talk uh with sergio mims i know a lot of people when they want to hear sergio talk movies we've been talking politics we're going to do some movies with sergio but we're going to do it as a bonus feature we're right back after this read the chicago reader to get up to speed on what's what in chicago culture food arts and entertainment weekly concert listings weekly event listings the environment travel i can continue but you get the point point. and for all of you chicago political junkies raw weekly columns on real city politics from maya dukmasova and our very own ben jarofsky the chicago reader free to the public in newsstands throughout the city and online at chicagoreader.com read it now and be a more informed chicagoan the Ben Jarofsky Show is supported by Northwestern University's part-time master's program in literature and liberal studies. Students learn from dynamic and diverse faculty as they build advanced skills for critical analysis, writing, and research. Evening classes are held on Northwestern's Evanston and Chicago campuses. The spring quarter application deadline is January 15th. Learn more at sps.northwestern.edu masters. Welcome back to the Ben Jarofsky Show. Mr. Jarofsky, take us home. All right, Will, to Sergio Mims in the studio. Uh, before we head out the door, uh, well, actually, like, like I said, we're not going to let Sergio head out the door before we start taping uh, the bonus show. Uh, but Sergio and I go through the best movies of the year, the best movies of the decade. Uh, D, you want to do uh, drop a, f- a little more of the new laws? Absolutely. What we're doing here uh, to celebrate the new year, probably the nerdiest thing possible. We're talking about new laws coming to Illinois in the year 2020. Turns out J.B. Pritzker, really busy.
Lindsay, like signing legislation, over 250 laws will be going into place. In God the year. bless them. Oh, yeah, yeah, no kidding. In the year 2020, and the good folks at WTTW Chicago put on their website 20 of the new laws that we should know. It's a Ben Jarofsky show holiday special here, and we call it, well, it's a simple name, really, the 20 new laws of 2020. That's correct. <laughs> Love the All right. What is Gives it the holiday feel? Yeah, the holiday. Sleigh bells. Doesn't right. that sound like the uh, soundtrack to... Uh, a lot of songs. Yeah, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. <laughs> I don't know if you remember the end of One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. All right, right. we're going to do two Great laws movie. here, uh, and we can't stress this enough, all right? These laws come from WTTW Chicago, all right? They did all the hard work. We're just reading from their webpage, all right? Go find all 20 laws at their website, WTTW. Uh, just Google it. This new law coming next year involves animal-tested cosmetics. All, cos- all cosmetics that have been tested on animals will be banned in Illinois. SB0241 prohibits manufacturers from selling cosmetic products developed using an animal test with fines starting at $5,000. The new law incentivizes companies to invest in non-animal testing alternatives, which advocates say are less expensive and more applicable applicable to humans. The law applies to all products manufactured on or after January 1st, 2020. Yeah, we are a blue state. Sergio, we are a blue state. Yeah. That is a, a blue law. That's a democratic law. That's a, a, a rights looking out for animals law. I don't see a red state uh, passing a law like Has that. Has he signed the bill yet to end uh, daylight saving time? Not yet. Okay. Is that Wait, time out. Did that pass? I missed that. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it passed. Oh, God. Here, here. Two I months ago? That. Sergio, I've been, I, I'm dyslexic. I have a lot, a lot of trouble with daylight savings time, just mm-hmm. the whole concept. So here, here, get rid of it. Daylight savings time. All right, let's do another law. I agree huh? with you. I, just, I, I hate daylight it, it, it wrecks me because 3 o'clock you can always yeah. already see the light. Yeah. Oh. Uh, by the way, but this is, we're already having longer days. Oh, teaching you a little something. That's now, true. Right? Yeah, well, the days are a little yeah, longer. Yeah, that's true. You guys been all my life. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> On to the next law. <laughs> Got these guys teach me about daylight savings time. Okay. <laughs> this next law is all about ensuring jury pool diversity. SB 1378 prohibits the exclusion of anyone from jury duty on the basis of sexual orientation or gender identity. Ensuring jury pools represent the diversity of Illinois is a vital part of ensuring our criminal justice system is fair, said Senator Toy Hutchinson, Reefer Czar, Reefer Czar, who sponsored the measure when it passed in August. Yeah, well, this won't stop, in my humble opinion, prosecutors or defense lawyers from like, making those snap judgments of jurors, prospective jurors, uh, Sergio, and they're like, uh-uh, this guy, you know, gay guy, I'm getting him off the jury because what? He may go this way or that way. Uh-huh. Your black guy, definitely, you know, the prosecutors, black guy, get him off. Unless sometimes, well, you know, maybe uh, somebody with a uh, sympathetic to crime and it comes from a high crime area will keep him on. So in other words, they make snap judgments all the time. And I got to tell you something. I'm so far... I think Pritzker has done a really great job as governor. 
I think you've done a really great job. I'm yeah. not a perfect person. <laughs> That's okay. You can not be perfect. That's okay. Okay, so you do a little yeah. shenanigans with the toilets. Yeah. Okay, fine. That was before he became governor. Before it. That's fine. Yeah. I wonder where Rounder is. Is he crying in one of his nine homes? <laughs> I believe the Nobody loves one. me anymore. Was it nine or eight? Nine. Uh, okay, nine. Okay. All right. Two uh, of them are ranches. I think he sold one. That's He sold the one in Winnetka, but don't quote me on that. I think he sold the one in Winnetka. So now he has... Uh, eight? It, uh, no, he... Uh, eight homes. He has now six homes and two ranches. Okay. Wow. I didn't I forget about that. Yeah, that's the ranches where he was drinking wine with Rom. Remember that? That's right. The They're one in Montana. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I, I'm with you. I think uh, uh, Pritzker has uh, done a good job so far. But this will be a pivotal year for uh, Pritzker 2020. Uh, the whole issue of the fair tax. We'll be talking about it throughout the year. Uh, that will be a defining moment. Did someone say Bruce Rauner? Yay for our teachers! <laughs> Yay for our teachers! Nine down. <laughs> Eleven more to go. It's the 20 new laws of 2020 brought to you by, well, WTTW Chicago. They really did <laughs> Well, they're the not really, there. they didn't bring, uh, it's not brought to us by, you know what I mean? Like, they didn't sponsor it. Although, guys, if you want to sponsor our show, oh, hey, yeah. call please. Dr. D anytime. Please. We'd love to read stuff <laughs> off your website if you pay us. That'd be yeah. awesome. Yeah. But, hey, nine more to go. It's the 20 new laws of 2020 right here on the Ben Jarofsky Show. All right, very good. Uh, we're going to uh, take a break. Another we're break? end the show for the day. Uh, and then after uh, Dennis does the wheeling and dealing, he does at the board. Wait, so are we taking a break or are we ending the show? Ending the show. Okay, cool. I, I was thinking in terms of Sergio and I are taking a break. Oh, we're okay. Take the deep All, right. Dive. All right. But we will end the show. Today's show, great show it was. I want to thank Sergio Mims. And I want to thank Leonard Goodman. That was a great conversation with Leonard Goodman, civil uh, liberties lawyer. Uh, you know, in retrospect, I wish I had brought Leonard Goodman on to talk to you about Twitter. That would be interesting to get his thoughts on another day. Uh, another day. Uh, and we're definitely going to have to get Leonard Goodman on with Monroe Anderson someday and see those two battle it out over uh, Russiagate. But anyway, thank Leonard Goodman for coming by. And of course, the man, the myth, the legend, as Sergio can tell you, back home in, uh, in Alton, they call him White Lightning. Give yourself a raise. Take it out of petty cash. See you tomorrow, everybody. Well, I wonder if he'll stop saying that in 2020. Probably not. And remember, you can download previous Ben Jarofsky shows and Benny J bonus interviews at both Chicago Sun-Times and Chicago Reader websites and wherever else you download your favorite podcast. Downloaders, we live stream this program. It's true. Tuesdays through Fridays, 1 until 3 p.m. Central Time. Once again, at both Chicago Sun-Times and Chicago Reader websites and the Chicago Sun-Times YouTube channel. Ben just threw a bagel at Sergio. And hey, we're going to be talking with Sergio, the top movies of the decade. What were they? Well, you're going to have to stick around to find out and have it. we'll have it available for download at both Chicago Sun-Times and Chicago Reader websites. That sounds like we'll, we'll probably do that on Saturday. They're eating bagels. All right, guys, we're done. See ya. Oh, wait, wait.